Hi everybody and welcome to the very latest episode of What Would the Smarty Do? Smarty Do? I don't know one knows what the Smarty would do except Cadbury's. We're here to discuss what would the Smart Party do? That's a far more relevant question. There you go, that's the tone set. I'm here, Baz, I left my vocal cords at home clearly. Uh, hello Gaz, how you doing? Talk sense. Hello Baz, I've not obviously had as many Smarties as you and gone a bit of a sugar rush. I'm a bit more balanced I think, so yeah, I'm good. Oh. Drinks have been taken, perhaps. And you know why? Because it's the seasonal season. So as we're recording this, uh, it's it's late in November. The nights have drawn in. And um, announcements, first of all, we're we're going to Dragon Meet this year, aren't we, guys? No, I say that like it's unusual. We we always go to Dragon Meet. Yeah, we get there quite a lot, don't we? Yeah, yeah, most years. Um, And this time we're going in our official capacity as, um, as nascent podcasters. And uh, we're going to be doing the usual things. We're going to meet up with some friends, going to play some games, might run a couple of games, who knows. But the main event of the day is, uh, foolishly, they've booked us in to do a seminar. So at six o'clock on the Saturday in the seminar rooms, you can come along and see me and Gaz in the flesh. It's not for the weak-hearted, I tell you. <laughs> uh, and not only that, but we've uh, we've managed to cajole some of our good podcasting colleagues and friends um, the good friends of Jackson Elias, who do a fantastic Call of Cthulhu podcast on a regular basis, and um, more regular than we do, to be fair. So that's why we brought them along, to, to put a bit of sheen of professionalism on the whole thing. And uh, the five of us are going to be podcasting live from Dragon Meat. We've got all kinds of tasty subjects lined up, and it should be a good bit of banter. And there's going to be plenty of room for Q&A and audience participation, and probably a couple of light ales in the bar afterwards. So... If you're in Dragon Meat, pencil it into your diary. It's after all the games are finished. The only other thing on is an auction, I think, and nobody really cares about that. So come and listen to some old men talk about how gaming isn't as good as it used to be. But I'm looking forward to it, guys. Dragon Meat's always good, isn't it? It's excellent times. I think a lot of people go down just for the ambience to catch up with people, to find out what's new, to have conversations. There's plenty of gaming on as well, of course, and lots of new things and lots of stalls and people demoing. Uh, and all kinds of bits and pieces, not just the games themselves. But yeah, that's a, it's a great place for seminars. There's a, there's a packed schedule. In fact, if you wanted to go down and do nothing else but listen to other people talk about games, you could do that. They could fill your day with that as well. So I don't know how many people go. I think it's in the hundreds, might even be thousands. But it's a big old hotel full of gamers. So well worth going to if you're in spitting distance of London. Yeah, and, and one of my favourite things about it is the trade hall. At this stage in my role-playing career, I've probably got four copies of every book that's ever been written. I've probably sold them and then bought them back again and then bought them on PDF. So sometimes trade halls at cons don't see a lot of my wallet these days because I'm just, you know, silly about what I buy. But Dragon Meat's good because it also brings along some of the kind of accessories that I'm just desperate to throw money at, and which is going to be the subject for tonight's show. So Gaz was thinking about some of the gamer bling um, that we love to accumulate as gamers. And we thought we'd just sort of run through some of our favourite stuff that we've got, from sort of dice to dice bags to, I don't know, note-taking stuff. You know, the kind of kit you cart about next to your rule books or whatever, whether you go around to friends to play games or you take it to a con and you've got your own sort of special kit. Well, Dragon Meat's a great place to get all of that stuff, and, and I've already got plenty. And I thought it might be, might be fun to look through those kind of things that you might want to put on your Christmas list so that your auntie's got some idea what to get you, because... Trust me, given the Leisure Games email address ain't going to work. It never has done in all my life of trying to get relatives to buy me Earth Dawn supplements, so I don't see where it's going to start now. But they seem to be perfectly happy to buy me nice little notebooks and little boxes of index cards and all that kind of stuff. So gaming kit is our subject for this week. So um, 
Let's go, let's go straight back to Gaz then. So Gaz is the the master of uh, gaming handouts and stuff, and you like a nice accessory. I know you do, mate. You don't mind spending money on useless stuff. So what's in your kit bag when you go to cons then, Gaz? Oh, blimey. We, we could be here for now just on me. But let's try and keep it short. So I think the, the big thing, let's let's start with the big hitter, something we've got to mention that's, that every discerning game has got right now uh, is an all rolled up. Which is, yeah. you know, Phil and uh, Paul, ladies and gentlemen, a partners, a couple who make these, handcraft them uh, with all kinds of materials. You can get a tweed one if you want. You can get uh, a barber jacket version, or you can get uh, superhero comics, Star Wars, all kinds of stuff they'll do for you. And it's a nice little um, canvas or material pouch designed by gamers for gamers, so you can fit in pens, pencils, some little index cards. Uh, there's a pouch for your dice. And you can roll it up, funnily enough, which is why it's called the Rolled Up, and stick it in your bag. So my first item is an ARU, or ARU, or all rolled up, or however you want to call it. Because uh, I can keep a standard amount of dice for the the plethora of games that I play. You can get set percentiles in there, and your fake dice, and a bunch of other stuff. Pens and pencils, a couple of index cards, and other bits and pieces. And I just have that ready to go, tied in a nice little bow. So I'm ever off to a games night or a convention at a moment's notice. I've got this emergency bundle I can just grab and go, which I think is a really useful thing to have. So I think the first thing for our, our gamers on the go is just have your emergency package ready and then you don't have to ferret around trying to find that odd dice or a pencil that works or some spare leads for your mechanical pencil or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've I've got an all rolled up. Everybody I know has got at least one, and sometimes more than one, because the temptation to have your <laughs> your fate all all rolled up, and your BRP all rolled up, and your Delta Green all rolled up, and and all the other so stuff, on and, so on. and the special. Yeah, and the special pencil that you want to put in there that you've sharpened so it's just the right length to fit into your tiny all rolled up, and your little metal dice that go in the pouch nicely, and your fate tokens. Uh, oh, it's just glorious. I mean, Paul and Phil did a, do a great job with their stuff. They're really nice pieces of kit, you know, and, and they're worth every penny. And the service that they give you is fantastic too. But it's just a brilliant niche that they spotted in the market, what, a couple of years ago now? Yeah. And they've branched out now and they do all kinds of really cool little things that everybody needs at their table, but everyone's had like a, a sort of a cottage industry of their own to try and provide before. So they do little PVC wipeable cards that you can scribble on and little fold-up uh, battle mats and oh, just loads of stuff. You could spend forever carting that stuff around and you'd be happy to do so. So, yeah, it was top of my list as well, guys. I had all rolled up and I don't know what I did without it back in the day. Well, I do yeah. know what I used to do without it. We used to have all kinds of, like, homemade dice bags. But uh, you've had, You must have had stuff over the years, mate, that doubled up as, like, a glasses case or something you got from a medieval fair that you've been to and you thought I'll get this little leather pouch that's all gold embossed and put me polyhedras in it what's the worst thing you've ever carried your dice in apart from a drunken state uh, probably well best and worst is um, you know you get like little miniature bottles of whiskey or whatever else I had a Jack Daniels one like a tin yeah and it had a couple of uh, miniatures in it originally and then I ended up putting dice in it and you had to fit your pencils diagonally because they wouldn't fit straight <laughs> And it got rusty, <laughs> and it clattered about, and the catch stopped working, so dice would just spill out in the bottom of your bag when you pulled it out and stuff like that. But from a sense of just history of having that thing at first, which seemed like a great idea, I carried that around. And it clattered horribly because it was just dice on metal yeah. the whole time. So 
if anybody didn't know you were a nerd from looking at you, they could hear you, whereas you jug down the street to catch the doors before they closed or whatever. Um, yeah, I've had old school pencil cases that I've resurrected from when I was 12 that I found because I needed something at short notice. Uh, bits of cyclops. I've seen people with Tesco bags. Uh, you, know, you name it. If it can hold items, people try to use it as a, a gaming device of some sort. Yeah. I remember that Jack Daniels tin. You're right. That was the noisiest thing in Christendom. It was like a cannonade going off whenever you sat down at the table. <laughs> Christ, the noise it made. I used to carry my dice in a Strepsils tin. That's when Strepsils came in tins. So similar. They wouldn't let me buy Jack Daniels when I was 11. I'm not from the north like you. Incredible stuff. I've carried my dice around in. Uh, we need to talk about those little polyhedral devils as well, don't we? Because before Aru's became the fetish of choice for gamers, it was all about your dice. And it still is a little bit as well. That's one of the nicest things you can do at any con is go to the dice stall. It's like a massive sweet shop. And even though my dice will outlive me because they have no half-life whatsoever and they're not biodegradable as far as I know, it doesn't stop me buying new ones. <laughs> and that's kind of like the souvenir from any show, isn't it? So um, what's your current dice count, guys? Are you being conservative these days or are you still in the market for new sets for new games? Always, always give me more dice all the time. Yeah, I, I can't get enough. I keep finding caches of them as well as I've moved to my new house and slowly unbox things. I keep coming across jam jars full of dice or a shoe box with some in the bottom or something else like an old biscuit tin that's got a few more. And ones that I even forget that I had but I can still find the old ones from like the original D&D boxes and stuff like that that were cut in with crayon and still have the, the residue of some Crayola in the bottom of them. But I like, yeah, I like uh, uniformity in my dice. I know some people just don't care. As long as they've got the right number of faces, then uh, they'll roll them. They're quite happy. They'll borrow or beg, find on the floor. They don't mind. But I like to have nice stuff. I think, although some people say our hobbies expensive, there are there is still that small minority of the people that, that will try and suggest that. Given that buying a book's not that pricey for how many hours of enjoyment you get out of it for six people, mm -hmm. I like having something to spend the money on. Do you know what I mean? If you were an angler or something mm -hmm. like that, you could buy a set of new flies or some, uh, I don't know, extra tense uh, line or a new reel or whatever else and get excited about. Once you've got all your Earthdome books or whatever game it is you're into, you then start to struggle to find things to buy sometimes. And buying a new set of dice when you mm -hmm. go to a convention or something is just like a nice thing to do kind of go with money burning a hole in your pocket looking for things to spend it on half the time and the the yeah. trouble is with the advent of the internet if it comes to gaming books you've probably backed it already on kickstarter or ordered it via amazon or organized with your friendly local gaming store to have it so when you go to a convention it's quite hard sometimes to actually buy books that you don't already have or want so mm -hmm. this is where the bling element comes in and a new set of shiny dice well who doesn't want that and I, I love it as well when you get someone like our good friend Pete who will buy some and they'll, t they'll turn out to be the unluckiest dice in the world again because obviously it can't be him, it must be the dice, but no. I, I think he knows full well that it's, it's him that's the problem, but I still love the excitement he has thinking, I can buy some new dice and these ones will be the lucky ones. You know, These ones will make the difference. Yeah. They'll be insulated from my curse. And you know you get a lot of superstition yeah. around it, don't you? You've got your favourite set, you've got the set that always roll low or always roll high. And I think accumulating that sort of things, and I pick now before I go to conventions which set I'm going to take and that sort of stuff, which is a little mm -hmm. bit geeky, a little bit sad, some might say, but it all adds into the ritual of getting excited about going gaming and having those extra bits and pieces, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's, you, you're right, mate. That's what makes it a hobby, doesn't it? I mean, that's no different to picking your favourite pair of running shoes if you're going to go and go out for a run, or, or picking your favourite golf shirt if that's what you're into, or your favourite 
you know, golf clubs for that matter. That's all part of fun. That's this is what it's like, you know. Guys like us, we don't really go shopping, shopping. We like to shop by mail order for superpowers. So you know, this is <laughs> this is a bit of fun. I think it's totally grand, mate. And buying new dice is absolutely lovely. There nothing beats the sound or the smell even of popping open one of those little Chessex transparent cubes that's got a full set of polyhedrals in it. Even if your game doesn't use polyhedral dice, and there's, there's vanishingly few that do these days, you still want to get what you call the full set. And and they do look like sweets as well. I mean, they're just beautiful. I tried to wean myself off of it recently, actually. I kind of I went on a bit of a, a sort of a declutter. Uh, like like everybody gets that that feeling sometimes, don't you? It's like I've got too much stuff, which is way too much. I'm never going to play all of this. So I'm going to really cut it down. I've got jam jars full of dice. This is ridiculous. I don't need that many. So my solution to that was to buy new stuff to replace <laughs> the old stuff. So, <laughs> but this time I was going to get it right. And I thought, what I'll do with dice is I thought on purpose I'll go a little bit austere and classic. And uh, I looked on the net and found loads of job lots of polyhedral dice which were just primary coloured flat coloured, just opaque, you know your yellows, your blues, your reds etc um, and they were just all mixed up but you got like two handfuls of them for a couple of quid and I thought right okay I'm going to be playing loads of sort of old schooly type games, I'll just go old school with the dice, I'm not going to spend big money on this I just want to get quite a lot of dice together so I can pick up 5d8 if I have to which is not the sort of thing you're probably going to carry around with you in your normal pack so these dice got delivered, and I looked at them all, and I had some green ones, some blue ones, some yellow ones, some red ones. I had loads and loads and loads of them, and I lined them all up next to each other. And they looked absolutely lovely, except the green ones had white numerals, and all the other ones had black numerals. So yeah. in an absolute fit of peak, they went in the bin. I can't <laughs> believe I threw them in the bin. I, I thought, they're not, they're not sullying my gaming table, right? And then, <laughs> and then to make matters worse, so I'm playing. I'm playing a game that night, and funnily enough, I needed to roll five d8. I don't know, some owl bear went mad or something, and I picked out my five d8 and I put them in the palm of my hand behind my screen. And I was kind of idly rocking them back and forth, and I thought these are all different colours. I I feel dirty. I feel sullied. <laughs> I feel like I. This isn't right. And when I rolled them on the table, it looked like one of those magic eye pictures where I couldn't quite focus on the result. It was just bizarre. <laughs> so I thought, that's okay, because out of those five D8, three of them are red. So all I've got to do now is buy two more red D8s, and I'll have all my D6s will be blue, and all my D4s will be green, because I'm an old man. Then I could just do it by colour. So I'm now the lucky owner of at least 100 new polyhedral dice, which I have tipped into the top of the jam jar, on top of all the old shit I had in 1972 and still haven't thrown out. So that's the key, kids. Buy stuff you don't need with money you don't have. It'll make you a happier man like it did me. It's the future, for sure. And the, the other thing <laughs> I've done as well in in a kind of weird ways, I, I was using, like Hot War I do quite a lot of, and that uses a lot of D10s. So I have my own D10s, but I kind of, I get quite protective of my dice and I want to use mine and I think people should have their own. I understand people don't. Quite yeah. often, you know, if you turn to a convention and want to try a new game, or you're quite new, or you, you know, you might not have ten D10 on hand. That's and you have to have one that's a different colour. It's you know, it's unusual. So as a GM, if I run that mm. game, I think I have to provide some dice. So I got some odds and sods and all kinds of things that you know other people can use when we're playing, and I can play them with my dice, and that's all fine. Yep. Except even these secondary dice I brought for other people, 
I didn't like the fact that there were all kinds of odds and ends and all the rest of it. So I had to go out and buy like 20 new D10s that were of all the same make and style. So even the ones I lent out looked the same. <laughs> that I've... is bonkers. That is crazy, mate. But I mean, uh, I mean, I don't think anybody else cared. But it just—it's aesthetically pleasing to me that I have a nice-looking kit, and you know, that they're all uniform. That just pleases me in some small way. I don't know why. Yeah, no, I think that's right. I think you know, if you bought a copy of Yahtzee, if you just wanted to stand a game, and the five D six in there were all different colours and style, and some had numerals on, and some had pips on them. You'd be appalled. You just wouldn't do it. So I think it's perfectly reasonable when you can customise your own dice to get the right things. I tell you what I can't do anymore. As much as I want to own them, I find them absolutely useless. And this is probably just a function of age as well. Is those dice that have got all the little crazy symbols on them and little clockwork bits. and Or maybe it's like dark red numerals on dark green dice like you used to get for Vampire. I just can't bloody see the things anymore. That, oh, that's the ones. Yeah, like I guess he's showing me one of his little. Was it covered in runes or what is it's, that? Uh, yes, yeah, a kind of clockwork steampunky one. It's from the Q Workshop. I think they're the sort of dice you're talking about. That's the which that's the Q for queer because they're very odd. They, I, I can't make out the digits. No, I mean they all look beautiful. They are good objects. I like having them, but they're useless in a game. Yeah, absolutely useless. Yeah, and it, and you don't want to hand them to our good friend who we both know and love, who <laughs> might be a lawyer. That might be a mistake to say that out loud, but. Funnily enough, in amongst those runes, all he can ever find is a 20. That's incredible. <laughs> There's more than one of those sorts of people about yeah. Um Yeah, there is. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that one of the other things as well is like a lot of people like dark sets of dice and things like that. And we've played before at the Furnace or places like that in the cells, which is a little bit dim lighting, mm. which is good for atmosphere, certainly in the evenings. But if you can't read the dice, like just stop rolling them. Pick some different ones though, where you can actually see the numbers. Let's let's get things right. It's nice to have your bling and all the uniform or the same colour or whatever you want, but ultimately we need some function out of these things that we're using, don't we? So come on, yeah. boys and girls, when you buy your shiny dice, and we thoroughly encourage that you do buy some more dice, preferably at Dragon Meat in a couple of weeks, make them usable. You know, it's it seems like a a really obvious thing to say, but the number of times I play games with people and they roll dice and I crane in saying, what have you just rolled? And they're like, I don't know. And then before you know it, six people are all <laughs> leaning in trying to work out what the number is. And is it a six or a yeah. one? Because one of the faces has got a symbol on rather than a number and we don't know which one it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially if it's that those kind of games, there's a few of them around now where you don't just roll the dice and shout the number out. You've kind of got to line them up or maybe match little pairs yeah. or put a few things together. And, you know, for a start... I don't need to tell people. Maybe I do need to tell people this because I see it happen often enough. But you would think an eight foot by four foot rectangular table was enough landing area for <laughs> dice to be rolled without them ending up at the other end of the room. But it still happens. So you know, just just find a way of getting the dice rolled so you can get back to it. But but yeah, sometimes fashion dice can be a little bit too <laughs> a little bit too unwieldy when all you want is something a bit more functional for the day. But that's, but that's why you buy two sets, right? You get you know you get your travel concept that are nice and easy and then you've got your home set for like Sunday best Absolutely. more dice well that just reminds me of something that the um, Bournemouth Berserkers introduced me to I was playing a game or running a game at Conception I think it was already one of those two on the south coast of England uh, and I sat down with this group of guys who seemed to know each other which is fine uh, and then they all dived in the bags and I, I, I couldn't quite work out what was going on because I could already see like pens and pencils and dice and, and everything seemed to be there assembled and then they all pulled out these little wooden fruit bowls and I was kind of like, like, is this some kind of weird ritual? Are they going to start sacrificing things? What's what's going to occur next? 
But it turns out they're really useful for rolling dice in. So you just chuck your dice this little free ball, and uh, it keeps them all in one place. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's a top tip mm-hmm. for you. If you want to find something else to to spend a bit of money on, find a nice crafted bowl of some sort, a wooden one or otherwise. Uh, it's actually really useful as well as functional. The guys are all rolled up make them as well now. Not not wooden fruit bowls, but they do little felt jobbies that kind of pinch yes, up in the corners yeah. and make a little things chucky dice into you're right mate i mean i kind of grew up at university we didn't have furniture let alone fruit bowls <laughs> so I, I i remember you spent about five years playing rollmaster rolling your two percentage dice onto your clipboard yeah so you managed to make your dice land on a 12 inch by eight inch area every time it's not that hard is it apparently it is but yeah i mean i must admit mate these days it's it's kind of weird when you see um you see things like old uh what's his face will wheaton and he's doing his t- sort of tabletop thing these days on the internet. He's got a really comfortable setup, and everyone's in like armchairs and sofas, and it looks like the set of friends. Um, it kind of never occurred to me that people would play games without actually sitting around a table. That that seemed to be fairly common in my experience, but of course people don't, do they? They they sit around their living rooms or their accommodation of whatever they've got, or their gaming caravan, and you just make do. Um, but that that gives you an excuse then to buy all kinds of things to prop your character sheet on. So, you know, clipboards or anything from Staples. Oh, God, put me in Staples for half an hour. I'm, I'm just lost. I love it. Or Hobbycraft. Anything that can hold a nice cool file and uh, you can get like a little manila folder to put your spy notes in and all that kind of stuff. Yes. Oh, stationery's where it's at, isn't it? I love it. Yeah, it's really good. Um, what else have we got? Oh, decks of cards. So for things like uh, Savage Worlds, which yes. use cards for initiative, you've got uh, Duty and Honor and Beta Quarters, which is a card mechanic. Anything we need cards and that sort of stuff. I'd look at the bicycle site. They do import they're stuff. Yeah. Uh, some really good mm-hmm. stuff. There's a great set. I can't remember exactly what they're called. It's something like 18th century or 1898. or They've got some kind of name like that. Term. And they look like they're, mm. they look like they've been used on a, a rum-stained table in some... Uh, I don't know, Cavalier's Haunt or something like that. But they're actually they're obviously like really nice and polished and all the rest of it. But they've just got a really good stain to them, so they're like old and used. So for a pirate game or anything like that, they look really nice. There's uh, a really nice dark set that are kind of gothic-y, uh, and there's all kinds of stuff mm. like that. So, yeah, why stick with your normal ones? Although, again, if you want to go functionality-wise, uh, there was a guy who used some at Seven Hills this time. I think it was Fergus. And it was like almost like playing. Um, what's that Bruce Forsyth game? The card is right. Uh, the card. Oh, what's it called? Uh, play your cards. Play your right. cards right. There you go. I was thinking the Price is Right mixed up. And I couldn't get it right. Yes, play your cards right because they were massive. They were sort of like you know, A five sized or something like that. They were huge. <laughs> but you re- you could tell at a glance whose turn it was. There was no confusion in that game of whose guy is it next. And it was good just to have a nice yeah. artifact on the table as well, actually. It seemed to work. I don't know why. But yeah, yeah. so not, don't bother with just a normal pack. Go and have a bit of a look about for playing cards. There's tons out there, all kinds of varieties and shapes and sizes. Cards, Yeah, cards are good. I mean, cards are just so tactile, aren't they? I mean, dice are really tactile, but a nice deck of cards is a beauty to be able to. I, I use cards quite a lot, even in my dice-based games. Not normal playing cards, but... Uh, the sort of stuff I play is really well supported. Um, yeah, D and D style games, D twenty stuff, F twenty, I suppose you could call it. And um, Paizo, the guys who make Pathfinder. Um, I haven't got much time for Pathfinder, but I've got a lot of time for their games mastery stuff, which is their range of cool accessories. 
and they do loads and loads and loads of card decks um, of various things that are really generic. You could use them in loads of different games. So you'll get a deck of cards that's got, uh, and each one's got a head and shoulders uh, painting or illustration of a villain. Nice. So they're all different. Uh, and on the back is space for notes. So there's pretty simple stuff. Um, and I love those because I just use them all the time. Whether I'm prepping a game, I just like deal myself out five cards on the table, look at some faces, and it gets your neurons firing. Um, or even, you know, you're in your, your kind of sandbox game and the players do what they will and say, we want to go and buy a shield. And, and you know that you've got nothing in your adventure notes about shield chops. And, and so you try and brush it off as a five gold piece quick sale. Come on, let's get on with the game. But for some reason, they want to chat to the fellow behind the counter. So, you know, just offer the card deck out and say, you know, cut the deck for me. We'll see what they look like. And when it comes up as someone who's got like a, a robot eye, and a shock of red hair and kind of soot stains all over his face. You think, hang on, there's a story here. Yeah. Um, and those those things are just really, really useful. And they kind of replace um, tables in your games. Because rolling on tables has got a glorious history. But a table can be replicated by a deck of cards. And that deck of cards can be much more useful to the GM and the players. Because you can hand out the card. You can take cards out of it if you want to remove results. It's expandable, so your your table isn't limited by the six results that the author gives you. And you can do all kinds of stuff. And they do magic items and locations and chase cards and just cool little things. And I retain information really well from cards for some reason. It's like I can remember magic cards from 20 years ago, but I can't remember anything from university from a book. Um, it, the information just really beds in well and and if you're feeling a bit generous and it's your mates around the table you let them take the cards with them and then they start to look after those and it becomes like a little character dossier so I'd recommend anyone no matter what your game go, go over to the Paizo website have a look for Games Mastery and it's full of uh, little flip mats and, and loads of accessories mostly for fantasy gaming but it gets up to kind of ooh, steampunk I would say in its looks so anything of that kind of genre, I think you'd be well set. Yeah, sounds awesome. I, and it's the sort of thing that I've done myself for like uh, Legend of the Five Rings particularly because it's a lot of Japanese names. And if you're not into that kind of stuff and other background, it's quite hard when someone's gone about Bayushi Kachiko and all these other names and you kind of... The, you Certainly if it's a con game, you know, people can get lost. So having little character portraits with someone's name on it that really helps uh, and it's really good for um, like investigative games and all the rest of it and that sort of thing or if you're trying to pe people in factions or work out who's related to who and pe the players can move little images around so another good one for sort of like modern day stuff is if you go on a lot of the American sheriff sites they have mugshots of genuine criminals or people who've been arrested so you can just grab loads of images of baddies so if you're playing Delta Green or some modern game or Knights Black Agents or something like that, there's a ready-made real-life source of you know genuine criminals that you can have pictures of. And they will look like criminals because they are. So <laughs> that really helps. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the, like Google Images is a really great resource, isn't it? And uh, Pinterest and all those kind of online search engines. It's something we didn't have when we were younger, but for visual aids, it's, there's nothing quite like just sticking in some search terms and uh, checking out the internet. Yeah, I mean, I guess if we were going to talk about accessories and the single best accessory you can have as a gamer, it's got to be you know, technology. It's got to be the internet. From a prep point of view, it absolutely cannot be beat. 
the only issue with it is you can find yourself going down rabbit holes oh, yeah. and just spending forever looking up stuff because there's always something else to click, isn't there? Mm. Um, but I've I've had some success even using it at the table because technology now is so portable. There's an awful lot you can do with an iPhone or a, a smartphone of any sort. And tablets are almost disposable in their expense now. I mean, a few years ago, I had to bring little netbooks with me to cons to run four e-games. I wouldn't have to do that now. And it's absolutely standard for my regular group to have three or four tablets out on the table. And there'll be character sheets on there, or there'll be like little images that I've looked up in advance, and I simply ping it out to the guys at the table on the night. So they look at it on their own device for like little letters that they found or maps of the area, that kind of thing. And you can make as much of it as you want to. Um, I still find it probably a bit quicker to go through paper notes and to scribble stuff down rather than open a Word document. But yeah, that's just me. But I've got my gaming library in my iPad now. So an iPad and a PDF reader is everything you could possibly want. It's not the same. And (laughs) there are books that have gone in there to die unloved. But at least they're not sucking up loads of room in my house anymore. But I think technology is, is a real thing at the table now and we were talking about dice earlier and dice apps have been they've i've never had a great dice app until i found the star wars dice app that really is very very good indeed um so yeah there's there's even there's less excuse now than there used to be to tell people to put their phone away because they might not be playing candy crush the chances are they're probably doing something relevant to your game or they could be if you get them in the right headspace i guess so yeah, I love a bit of technology. It's handy. It is. It is. Uh, and it's useful. If you want to, you could make little soundtracks, Kanye, and things like that, just have them rumbling away in the background yeah. or sound effects or all kinds of stuff. I think it takes a bit of prep, though. I think you need to know what you're doing with that. I have had games where people have been a little too concerned with finding exactly the round, right tune or sound effect or need to find that mm. right picture and everything stalls while we go away and find it. So. It's a good enabler. I think just my word of caution is don't get sucked too far into the internet or trying to make technology work when it doesn't necessarily do the job you want right there and then. Don't let your game suffer by trying to do the cool thing on your device. Um, That's true. Do you remember, though, mate, I mean, we were we were all playing around Pete's one time. We played Deadlands. This was a few years back. And uh, Pete likes to put on a soundtrack, which is absolutely the right thing to do. And he had the soundtrack to The Good, The Bad, The Ugly. Mm. But this was back in the days before we all had smartphones and he had the CD and he basically put it on repeat. After about the third hour of that game, I never wanted to hear <laughs> that stuff again because it was in a different room and we didn't go and, like, well, ask your parents' kids, but sometimes you had to turn records over. <laughs> but it, it's just every 45 minutes the theme tune started up again. Oh, God, turn, turn the record on. Man. Yeah, I'd, um, yeah, but you could you could get you could get lost in it, can't you? You can. I, I think I had a couple of games where I played the Alien soundtrack, which for a good mm. chunk of it is really nice atmospheric, and because it's not uh, recognizable songs or anything like that, you can just let it repeat. Actually, it's not too bad, except for one track which is really really quiet, where I guess the Marines are stalking through somewhere and an alien jumps out because there's a really high pitched squealy bit of noise that comes out of nowhere. So we kind of forget it was on, <laughs> then uh, you get some dramatic <laughs> and everybody jump out of the seat yeah. when they were trying to, I don't know, yeah. bargain with a merchant or something. Which, yeah, so <laughs> a bit hit and miss, but we're both looking into it perhaps. I think just going back to the sort of, um, you were saying making notes on the fly and that sort of thing, uh, one of my favourite bits of kit actually I bought was a laminator, 
which you can get mm. for 10 or 15 quid at most supermarkets um, and laminated she- sheets aren't that much either so there's several of my games I've got character sheets for that I take to conventions and just laminate them and get some dry white markers because uh, one of the frequently asked questions that get at cons actually for people is kind of write on the sheet which I'm always a little mm. bit taken about so I'm like yeah of course you can well, yeah, I'm giving them out to you so you can do stuff with them mm. um, so if you laminate them it even forestalls that question lets people mark damage off it's easy to rub it back off again when they get healed up or that sort of stuff uh, but it's good to have a bit of laminated map or something like that if you can as well so people can scroll little notes on about where they've been or where they want to go or who someone is or just anything they want really so I think that's definitely another bit of good kit you can get a laminator they're dead cheap uh, and if it allows players to just to, to get interactive and start writing on things and, and interacting with the, the artifacts of the game I think that gets them invested a bit more as well it's, it's quite fun to do and you can write your own little notes as well you know I've done it for little baddies as well where I've got pictures of orcs or whatever and I could just write how many hit points they've taken on the actual face of the card and then there's none of this question mm-hmm. around oh is that one already wounded or which one which one should I go for or I want to get that one that I hit last time you can see it visually represented in front of you and uh, represented rather in front of you uh, and I think that just helps with the game more helping the game move along if you know what I mean rather than being something you do and it detracts from it and I think those sort of additive things are, are well worth investigating yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's funny how sometimes really simple solutions uh, present themselves. It never occurred to me how easy it would be to have like a little vinyl bat- battle map. Uh, and I play games that need that kind of stuff. Um, and I was at a con once and somebody uh, flopped down an A4 sheet of gridded paper that they'd laminated. And that's, yeah. <laughs> that was, it's like, oh, you clever, clever bugger. Because I've spent buku cash on things that fold and roll and they're all wipeable and stuff. He just got a bit of gridded paper and laminated it. Brilliant. And it's virtually disposable at that point. In fact, totally disposable. It's big enough to get, you know, the dungeon room on uh, and a couple of minis and off we went. And, and he, he pushed it across the table to people and it was their go so they could move stuff around and it kind of got passed around. It was just just really simple. And, and sometimes, you know, we, we, we're just talking about technology and you don't have to spend a great deal of money to get useful stuff at your table. The humble index card has seen so much use at my table in various guises. And very often it's that little tent that you make where you just literally fold one in half, don't you? And you put the character name on, on front of it and you hand those out at cons for people to put their names on. And then you get them, you get the players to hand them back to you when it's combat time and you just line them up in initiative order in front of you yeah. and then move one from the from one end of the line to the other so that you always know who's on and who's on next. You give it back to them afterwards when it's out of initiative and that's pence. Um, my, one, my top tip would be bring a decent sized marker pen to your games because sometimes index cards in the middle of the table where you've just used a biro or a pencil is quite difficult to see the writing on them so get, you know, get yourself a chunky black marker pen and um, if you're playing Fate and you want to be writing down aspects and stuff, then it's visible. And, you know, index cards are cheap. You can chuck them away afterwards. Oh, oh, I must tell you the index card story. It's very short, but it made me laugh out loud. This might just be a myth. I don't know. I think it's true. But uh, Fate, as a game, relies heavily on index cards, and it talks about them all through the book, about use them for aspects, use them for characters, use them during the game and all the rest of it. Did you realise, and again, this might be a myth, that index cards are really only a thing in the UK and the USA, and that in other countries, certainly European countries, 
you wouldn't go into a stationer's and ask for an index card because they would just look blank at you. They just don't use them in their offices. They just don't have them. They might have post-it notes. They might have small notebooks. But the notion of an index card is peculiarly English-speaking. So when they translated fake core, I think it was, into Italian, they had to remove all of those references or find a supplier to put index cards in the hobby shops next to the fake dice because they were that unusual a piece of kit in other countries. Wow. Isn't that weird? It is very strange, yeah. It's, the, it's kind of like the, the short time we use for things, isn't it? And then you transport it to another country and all of a sudden it doesn't mean anything at all. Very odd. But yes, I think the um, the old up guys do something. Well, I'm sure lots of people do, but they've got index card-sized bits of vinyl or plastic that you can get in little packs now. Mm. So if you've got the dry white markers, they work in exactly the same way and you don't have to throw them away or buy more index cards if you're in Italy or well, can't find them. Yeah. Exactly. Should you be lost in Rome with a set of polyhedrals and some people looking at you asking about snake gods, and you find your one piece of stationery short to fulfil their needs. So listen, right, guys, I've got a question for you, mate. So uh, game prep, because all of the gaming accessories that I use, I don't take them with me to every game. Most of the stuff I use is when I'm I'm doing the lonely fun of, of GMing the night before the game or the week before the game or I'm prepping for a con. Are you still old school the way you prep games? Do you write stuff down on paper or are you gone tech mad and using voice memos and various Google Docs? What, what do you use physically to prep your games? Forget I will assume you've got loads of cool stories to tell. How do you collect that information? Yeah, it's all in the virtual world these days. I do tend to print my bullet points off and what have you so that I have them to hand in-game rather than try and look them up on my pad or whatever. But um, yeah, definitely because... You know, inspiration strikes you wherever. I might think of a game at home tonight and start writing some bits about it. And then I'll be at work tomorrow and something will strike me and I want to add to it. And there were days when I'd write on bits of post-it note here and a back of a beer mat there and all the rest of it and then try and collate it all. But these days it's much easier to have either an Evernote or a Google Plus Doc or whatever it is, but some web-enabled thing so that whether I'm on my home PC, my work laptop my phone at the bus stop whatever it is i can just keep adding to that document wherever and i think it's you know it's a sign of the times it's one of them i still do scribble notes occasionally if i'm doing relationship maps for uh hot war and that kind of stuff then i'd write it out on paper because i find it easier to be able to visualize and draw out and the act of writing two names and drawing an arrow between them and what the relationship is atop that i think secures it in your mind better than any you know i could use some kind of ipad sketch tool or something like that they're available i know people in in work who use them all the time rather than writing notes they, they write things on their ipads or their, their other tablets but for me there's still the physical aspect but i think from a word point of view it's just easier having your stuff virtually held in the cloud somewhere yeah. and you know it's up to you personally whether you think it's fine to read your tablet at the table and have your notes there but i like printing them out and then writing more notes on top of them as we go along and that kind of thing so mm-hmm. still a mixture yeah. of the both, I think. I've got one foot in the past still, but I'm embracing future technology as well. Yeah, it's similar for me. I've got, I use a sort of mixed media approach, really, and I haven't really settled on any one thing. I've done, I've set up wikis for game prep before. So I've got, you know, like a page for my NPCs, a page for my locations, and just uh, brainstorming out ideas and making little lists, really. Um, and any sort of uh, electro- electronic system is really good for holding that kind of stuff. Um, OneNote, which was rare a few years ago, is kind of ubiquitous now if you've got Windows. 
So Microsoft package it with all of their Office software. OneNote's excellent. It's essentially a project book, um, but it uses the, you know, the Word, PowerPoint kind of templates for everything. But it's a really good place to keep stuff together and clippings, and it will it will take drawings. I mean, you you could do an awful lot of stuff with it. Uh, but it's it's really straightforward to learn, which I think is the key. Um, and I don't really go full on for publishing software. I always try and make my notes quite thorough. I think I could probably hand my notes to somebody else and they could run the game off of it. But I don't really want to go down that rabbit hole of desktop publication stuff. And people do go mad. Yeah, They really do. I should go down that rabbit hole to make my stuff look better, but you know, <laughs> word gets me by. But then, but equally, equally, the the single most useful thing, the most ubiquitous thing at my gaming table is an old style reporter's notebook with the spiral bounding at the top because it's just the right footprint to grab initiative and hit points and the name of that shield merchant and just bits and pieces and I can flip it over and I think that's why reporters use them because it's really portable and easy. Um, and that gets more use than anything, actually. Despite my love of Evernote and good reader and PDFs and all that kind of stuff, at the end of the day, a decent pen or pencil and a reporter's notebook gets me through an awful lot of sessions. Yeah, definitely. And that uh, technological wonder of post-it notes sometimes coming useful there, because they, they at least you can oh, paste onto man. the pages of your notebook in various places if you need to, or that kind of thing. So. Do you know what? I I, hadn't, I didn't figure it out for absolutely years. I've been running like modules, published adventures. I do it quite a lot. It never occurred to me that I could just stick a post-it note next to the encounter and write the hit points on there <laughs> because I was lightly sketching them in pencil in the margins so that I didn't ruin my copy of some Stormbringer supplement. <laughs> I could have just slapped a pink post-it note on yeah. there. It, it didn't never occurred. It's bonkers, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely crazy. But there you go. Are there any items that you've got that are a little bit, um, a little bit off piece that you haven't seen anyone else use? I, I'm struggling. I was trying to think of some myself that I perhaps mm. have that others don't, but I can't think of anything that's. I mean, like, I've, like people have mascots, and yeah. people have. Um, I've seen people try to use like projectors. They brought out a laptop with a projector and put yep. stuff against walls and that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't yep. think that's something that's going to be ubiquitous at any point, but um, there there are some. I've got oh, a couple on. of yeah. yeah, I've got oh yeah, I've got, I've got a couple of weird. I mean, yeah, I've seen the 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 electronic battle map is is increasing in its use in round people's homes. You wouldn't necessarily bring it along, but you know, you can you can have. I've played D and D on top of my iPad, so I've had I've had a map, uh, and, and an iPad's what eight inches across, something like that. That's that's good enough to have like you know a small dungeon room. And I've just blown up the map from the adventure and just you know, just set it so that it doesn't auto-lock after five minutes. And and my players have physically put their miniatures on top of the iPad in the middle of the table. Nice. bit weird, but it's not weird. It's a really good colourful map. It's small <laughs> but compact. It's the equivalent of that guy with a laminated sheet of paper. Yeah. It just cost me 500 quid. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other, the other kind of slightly out there stuff, I mean, in the heyday of 4th edition D&D, which was just a bling fans favorite few years because the amount of stuff that was generated to enable you to play that game uh, which had loads of elements of board games and video games and card games in it so it was naturally kind of like a bling magnet i spent loads of cash on getting stuff imported from america i have uh, this this tiny little briefcase almost with cut foam inside it and lined up on the inside are beautiful little magnetic tokens which are exactly the same size as the base of a D mini and they, they 
they slap together beautifully like magnetic things do in 16 different colours with extra red ones for bloodied and for a long time we would have our characters running around with their conditions marked out by these little coloured bases and we would get if someone got the full Italian it meant they had a green one, a white one, and a red one. <laughs> <laughs> they were bloodied, dazed, but under the effects of some healing potions. So it's going to be okay. Uh, and there's <laughs> loads of little combinations. And then really strange little L-shaped bits of plastic, which were designed to be placed on the corners of the grids on battle maps so that it would delineate the area effect of your spell. So you could make rectangles and squares with them. And they were all coloured. So your lightning ball... Uh, lightning but what am I talking about fireball your fireball which in D&D 4th edition as everyone knows is a cube um, you could delineate with little red markers on your battle map it was crazy it's like Lego for grown ups really isn't it yeah that's just yeah, but it, it this stuff was not cheap it wasn't cheap in the slightest I mean this was like a luxury Christmas present but it's um, it, it got its use so I'm not complaining about the cost um, but it seems crazy now looking back on it when I've gone back to reporters notebooks and index cards yeah well you mentioned Lego I think I mean I don't use figures that much in my games um, or at all really but uh, if you're into that sort of game we use grids and squares and all the rest of it uh, Rich Stokes one of the luminaries of the UK role playing scene he uses a lot of Lego uh, again it's mm. not cheap mm. I thought oh, so that's not a bad idea and looked into it and actually Lego is quite expensive but if you've got yeah, some, or you're looking to put things on your Christmas list, there's now Lord of the Rings Lego and stuff like that, or Star Wars Lego. So whatever game it is you're playing, if you want miniatures, Lego is actually not a bad shout. Because the good thing about it I, I liked was that you can change like what you, your man's armed with and that sort of thing. So you know mm. we've all been through the phase, I think, of having miniatures that we've bought from a shop to, to exactly replicate our character. He's got a nice spear and a bow, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then at some point, he gets his plus five Holy Avenger. And you're like, oh, I'm using this miniature with a spear, but it should have a sword. Oh, with Lego, that's dead easy. And it does look a little bit comical. I've seen some pictures of his games. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, that doesn't. I'm not sure how much into the atmosphere of the game I would be. But I think when you're there in the zone, anyway, uh, it's nice just to have that representation. So that, that's one way. If you've got uh, kids or you've got a bucket of Lego somewhere, there's an easy resource for you. Yeah, I, I have kids, I have Lego, and I have minis. And you're right, mate, Legos are more expensive than minis. <laughs> it is it is actually quite shocking. Uh, and they sell, you know, minifigs in random boosters. So they're, they're, they're pressing my buttons at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, I like minis, mate. I use minis, not exclusively, depends on the game. Of course, it depends on the game. But whatever I, whatever I run or play in, the players, if once they get past that initial stage, they usually get quite invested in their characters. And, and most of us can paint to one degree or another and we tend to just get a mini for our character if nothing else it's a nice thing to do my mate Dan gets himself a little journal from Waterstones for every campaign we start so he can like just take his notes in that and he's got his own little mini um, he probably gets a separate pencil for everyone and I absolutely applaud him for doing <laughs> so you know I think that's good and I've got a collection of, of minis from D&D sets over the years and I've got a big box of plastics organising them can be tricky and it's not too portable but um, it is oh, well, I thought for a while I could get away with the little cardboard tokens, the little circular discs that have got beautiful art on them and they're very cheap and you can have loads of them but actually getting those out just to fight six knolls in a cave is more trouble than it's worth you know, 
put the cobbled minis on the table if you need to know your positioning and get on with it. It's a game of the imagination, and my drawing skills are all right, but I can't really replicate something that you'd see in a David Attenborough documentary in less than half an hour. So, yeah, I do like a bit of fizz rep on the table, but you have to gloss over a few things, don't you? Yeah, I think one of the things you can do if you if you run at cons or it's your home games, so you've got a campaign, is uh, it's worthwhile building stuff up. It can seem like a, mm. a mammoth chore to produce all the different props and things you'll need for a game, but just do a bit at a time and build it up. So if you look at something like mm-hmm. um, Darren Sims runs a lot of Firefly games at conventions, yep. Uh, and I remember playing in one of them. It was years ago in, in Castle Starlek in Germany, so it must have been at least five years ago or something like that. But if you're playing his Firefly games now, he's got like multiple denominations of cash that he's printed out in these different icons on and all the rest of it. So when you go to a starport and sell your gear, it will give you the money. You'll actually hand over physical notes to you. And he's got star maps and character profiles and uh, weapons. So when you pick up a weapon, you'll have a little card for it and stuff like that. So it can look a little bit intimidating, but he just started out with some stuff and then just keeps adding to it as he goes along. So... Mm-hmm. Another probably bit of advice is there is just start doing some things. If you like the idea of you know, physical artifacts and that kind of thing, don't worry too much about everything up front. Just do a few little bits and just keep adding and adding and adding. And before you know it, it'll be a couple of years down the line and you'll have this huge portfolio of cool stuff that you can use in your games. Yeah, it's true, mate. I, for years and years now, wherever I've been, wherever I've gone, especially if I'm on holiday or visiting people, or stuff like that, and you're in a, you're in a different town, you kind of have the gamer's eye, don't you? You're walking down a high street and you're looking for that strange little shop that isn't a chain store that might have something different because you've looted your own town of anything useful long ago. And um, and seaside towns can be brilliant for finding stuff like a, a little bag of pirate's coins yeah. made out of plastic. And it'll be a couple of quid and it might sit there in a little in a little chest that's got a mermaid on the top which you might throw away or you might keep. But you just you end up coming home with plastic landfill that you're <laughs> you're thinking, this is gonna come in handy for that pirates game that I hadn't had planned until I saw those coins. And it might happen years from now, but it'll go into the big pile of stuff you've got just in case. And my my Moby Dick for this, my, my great white whale that I spent years looking for. You'd think it'd be really easy. I always found it really tricky. Was to get a bucket of twenty-five mil or there or thereabouts plastic World War Two soldiers mm. of various nations. It's way harder than you think to get like a bunch of Germans that aren't all identical, um, and then you know a bunch of a bunch of paratroopers, whatever. You can go down the airfix route, but what you want is you want to find it in that pound shop yeah. or in that little sort of seaside um, toot stall. It's really hard to get, and I'm sure that you know. So hopefully, somebody will pipe up and go, "Oh, I've got this this shop down the road. They sell loads. When it's like five pounds for a bucket of two hundred different army soldiers, I never managed to find one yet. Found dinosaurs. I've got those ready, and as soon as I get the army men, that's my next <laughs> campaign up and running. <laughs> we should write again about that <laughs> and all kinds of strange stuff. Well, yeah, but that's sometimes where it comes from. It's almost props first equals game afterwards. You know, there's a uh, there's some crazy stuff. I got um I I just subscribe to all kinds of crazy stuff as well, thinking that might come in handy for games. I've got like five hundred of the Marvel lead figures, the ones that are about eight inches tall, the beautifully sculpted ones. Don't ask me how much that cost. But I was thinking, well, it'll be good for a con game because we could play Marvel superheroes one day, and then everyone will have an eight-inch high beautiful figure of their various Spider-Man and stuff. 
So that was eight years ago. That hasn't happened yet. Yeah, well, then do you want to be giving random people at a convention your eight-inch heights and figures? I don't know. No, I don't That's really. why you need to buy a second set so that you've got some to hand out at conventions. Oh, of course, that's right. Yes. <laughs> yes, perfect. That's my Christmas list sorted out again. Excellent. <laughs> so, yeah, I think you're right with little treasure trolls. I've constantly been trying to find those little soldiers. I remember them from my childhood, but I can't find them now. But there must be somewhere. Mm. But um, yeah, pound mm. shops, another good one actually. If you, you like the little glass beads you get, I think are they called spelts or something yeah. like that? They're basically the droplets of glass that fall on the, the bottom of the uh, the floor. Uh, on the, as a part of that, some other process, and they're just the bits left over that somehow someone's made the genius idea of let's sell them to people. But you get them in a lot of shops. Mm. IKEA used to have them for like a quid for a big box. They did. And they stopped. Uh, but if you look around TK Maxx or other discount department stores, I, I would say don't bother buying them from game shops where it's you know a quid for seven. Go in somewhere like that, mm. TK Maxx, or one of those other uh, discount department retailers because they'll have big boxes of them for, for pence. A good yeah. sort of, and a ver- yeah. miles more variety of colours and some will be rainbow or... Uh, pearlescent or you know all kinds of weird and wonderful things because they've been produced for uh, decoration unlike the gamer ones which tend to be quite boring and just one colour so have a look around your pound shops and your discount retailers because there's actually quite a bit of stuff there that's relatively cheap yeah yeah, if you go a little bit off piece and think a bit creatively there's all kinds of stuff you can get that kind of stuff in florists funnily enough um I mean, online shopping's made it all a bit easier if you know what you're looking for but nothing beats a good old rummage and a browse um, and that can be true in your bookshops as well, your charity bookshops, where you find like old science fiction annuals from 1974 or um, the art of Star Wars books, anything like that. There's always some crazy stuff in there. And if if the book is going to cost you 20p and all you're going to do is rip out the little colour section with some cool images in it, it's 20p. It doesn't matter. You know, you can afford to like hack stuff up and just, just yeah, magpie it. Just start building up a little pile of, of imagery and resources because... A physical representation of something at the table is worth loads. And if you can't do that and you're playing over Hangouts or Roll20, which a lot of us are, you know, a scanned image, it goes a long way to making the screen a little bit more vibrant and just four heads wearing earphones talking to each other. I think, you know, some of that stuff's really cool. And I guess browsing the internet now and going onto Pinterest and stuff like that is the equivalent yeah, of definitely. going through bookshops. So obviously we've all got a rich auntie or someone that wants to give us a lot of money so what do you do with that and uh, I'm, I'm going to propose that you want a, a gamer bag you want a man bag or a lady bag if you're a lady I guess but it was quite funny last year went to yeah. Dragon Meet and we all sort of fumbled through reception and got signed in and all that kind of stuff and assembled near where the game signups were and it was quite funny because there was a good ten of us and one after the other these uh, different versions of leather man bags appeared on this table as we all dumped our Respective messenger bags, I think, is the correct term for them. Yeah. But uh, I recommend them to gamers as well. It'd be nice. I, I've got my backpacks as well, I take as well, or often a laptop bag because they've got more pockets and holders and mm-hmm. the side zips and all kinds of stuff. So you can squirrel away different bits and pieces there. But otherwise, if you've got uh, a relative or someone else who wants to splash some money on you and you want to make it not look like a gamer purchase, get yourself a messenger bag or some some decent um, gentlemen's or ladies. Uh, sartorial elegance there you go yeah uh, yeah absolutely mate I mean we've all got a kind of a brown leather messenger bag mine styled after Indiana Jones in my head 
<laughs> not in actually in reality. Those things are cool, but and and you and you can still look reasonably sharp in that kit. I do draw the line with some, and I, I really apologise if anyone listening to this is currently wearing this item of kit. But I've seen people who who show up in fishermen's waistcoats, or it's kind of like a jacket without arms, and and they kind of have them because they're full of little pockets. It looks like the sort of thing a photojournalist from Vietnam would have worn, because. Or, or Cyclops in the comics in the 90s, just little pouches everywhere. And, and clearly they've got like their D20s in one pouch and their, their little pencils in another and probably the miniature of their paladin is tucked around by their kidneys around the back. And, uh, and that, uh, you, don't, you probably don't need to cart around as much stuff as you think, I think is what I'm trying to say. Because you can get a long way with a D20 and a pencil. But <laughs> some guys seem absolutely laden down with stuff. And in each hand, they'll have like a tackle box. Maybe they are Could actually be. going fishing, and they just ended up at the wrong convention. Because <laughs> it looks like they're on an expedition. <laughs> cool. Well, I think uh, I'm done with that. Uh, have you anything extra to add? I'm looking down my list, and the only other thing I can think of if I had all the money in the world as an accessory oh, is yes. I think I would have a bespoke gaming room. Uh, and, and there's no end to the money that I could and would spend on that. Uh, and it would have a bar and it would be really really comfortable and and it would just have pizza on tap and, and I, I, I don't know if I would make it all medieval and swords on the walls and stuff like that I think I would just make it just a, a room but the walls would be lined the walls would be lined with all the stuff we've talked about so that everything is to hand and you know and it would be a table and it would it would be all rigged up with buttons and stuff it looked like a villain's hideout I don't think I'd go super cheesy. I don't think it would have just you know posters of bikini-clad women on the on the on the walls. Um, but it, I'd like something nice, and that that's uh, that's maybe an ambition. What would you spend all the cash on, mate? Well, I think the the one thing that you just reminded me there of is I saw them at Expo this year, and I've seen them online. Is gaming tables seem to be getting quite a big thing, so you can kind of slide the tops off them, and they've got uh, light up displays underneath or. Uh, projectors for your laptops you can produce maps so a little bit like your ipad idea but having a full table's worth of it and they've got little drinks holders and little shelves for people to throw the dice on and all that kind of stuff so that that probably one if i had my own games room i'd have to buy the games table to go with it i think with all the little secret nooks and crannies and all the rest of it reminds me a little bit of those kind of old victorian or edwardian um drawing cabinets and that kind of thing with the special secret compartments and all that kind of stuff but make it functional. But yeah, I think yeah, if, you, if you've got proper money, yeah. then well, yeah, you should because you, you we, listen. All the other podcasts we've ever done, we we bang on about setting, we bang on about system, and rightly so. But I tell you what, the, probably the thing that's killed most games for me has been an uncomfortable chair. And you know, if you've got if you if you've got the wherewithal, <laughs> if you're in the right chair, yeah. <laughs> I dare say you could make it through Space Master for more than an hour. But in the wrong one, ten minutes and you're done. Absolutely. Cool. Well, I think we're in danger there of drifting to uh, old man land and what we need to, to make us feel happy. It'll be tart and blankets and slippers before you know it. So we best best end the podcast here. So as always, generous listeners, thanks for listening to us. If you've got any great ideas for stuff that we can buy with money that we don't have and things we don't need, then do let us know because um, I've got money burning a hole in my pocket. So let us know about your accessories, bling, cool things that you have around the gaming table or take to conventions because we'd love to hear about it. 
And if you can't do that via the usual means of the UK Rail Players Forum or using the smart party at hotmail.com, then do come along to Dragon Meet and tell us in person and buy us a pint while you're there because that's my favourite gaming accessory. Yeah, too right. I'll buy you one back. Just one mind. But come and see us. Tell us we're wrong. Tell us we're right. But just tell us something. Bye for now. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys.